0: Today is July 16th, 2021, In our first story, the White House has admitted that they're colluding with big tech to censor Americans. And a new device, a new technology stands in opposition to this called the Freedom Phone. But the establishment media is freaking out and trying to smear it so desperately. Makes you wonder. In our next story, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has come out in agreement with Black Lives Matter, praising the Cuban communist regime and criticizing the U.S. over the protests. In our last story, the NFL is going to be playing the Black National Anthem before the American National Anthem. And this is just one of many stories signaling cultural decay and a potential balkanization in the U.S. Before we get started, leave us a good review. Give us five stars. And if you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. The Biden administration has been going to phone companies and trying to get private text messages censored, at least according to multiple reports we've seen in the past week or so. The idea is they must stop the spread of misinformation and disinformation, which are similar but different. I guess disinformation is when you're lying on purpose and misinformation is when you're just wrong. But who says they're right? Therein lies the big problem. What we're now learning is that not only are they going to private phone companies, but they're essentially colluding with big tech. It's not really the first time we've heard this, but Jen Psaki in a press conference said that they are flagging misinformation for Facebook. That's right. So let me just stress, as we've talked about this a little bit before, this story in particular, The government can't go to a private company and say, shut down the speech of American citizens. That would be like, you know, some people are arguing, but it's a private company. They can do what they want. The government can't hire private security to go and shut down a church. That would be a violation of First Amendment rights. They can't do that. That's effectively what they're doing right now with going to Facebook and going through our text messages. But now it's it shows you just how brazen they've become. And how alarming things really are, because when they say disinformation about COVID vaccine, what they're really saying is dissident voices and opinions that are contrary to the establishment. The problem with that? Well, I certainly have my criticisms of conspiracy theorists and crackpots and wingnuts. And I certainly have my disagreements with Brett Weinstein and Dr. Chris Martinson, noting they're both scientists and I'm not, and I can respect that. That's why we have that conversation. But that's basically it. We have the conversation to go through these disagreements, go through the information and make our points. The establishment wants to shut down anyone who criticizes them. But who says they are right? If they are but people, then certainly they could be producing the same misinformation as everybody else. This is why censorship is such an awful, horrible thing. And it's why it's uh, bringing us down a dark path. But there is some hope. You see, there's something called the Freedom Phone that's been sweeping the country, trending on Twitter with many conservative personalities saying the Freedom Phone is the answer. And all of a sudden, there's this very strange kickback campaign. Mainstream media saying it's a cheap Chinese knockoff. It's not a real Freedom Phone. And they're laughing and they're saying this is so dumb and it doesn't work. And these, these, these cartoon avatars pop up on Twitter saying, I'm actually a hacker and this phone's terrible. And I'm like, um, as someone who actually is a hacker, me, uh, I have not actually seen any seen any real arguments against what Freedom Phone is trying to do. While I can certainly criticize some of what's happening, it's really strange to me how many people have come up and said don't don't buy this this product. And I'm kind of like, seems like he's providing a service. I think we'll need some forensic analysis to back up the claims he's making. But I certainly don't think this gentleman who's produced this censorship-free phone is. Defrauding people, but a lot of people are saying that he is. And we even have Robbie Suave over at uh, Reason, who's also calling it snake oil, but hasn't actually provided me with an argument as to what's wrong with this device. I look at what's going on in the mainstream. We've got one story FB over a Facebook oversight member saying that free speech isn't a human right. Okay, let me tell you something. I'm personally probably not going to buy a Freedom phone. Why? Because I know how to build my own phones and install my own operating systems. And I can build a lot of my own stuff. And I, I typically always have. I'm not super concerned about that stuff right now. I've just got a bunch of Android phones and like an iPhone. But if I was going to build a secure system, or if I wanted a secure system, I'd build one myself. But can we expect regular people to challenge the establishment knowing how to build a phone or, or, or create an operating system? No. So if somebody came out and said they were going to offer one, I think it makes sense. These two stories clash. And that's why I find it so interesting that a time when we're learning the White House is colluding with big tech and phone companies to censor our speech. You have this guy coming out saying, well, here's a phone that won't do that. And he gets attacked relentlessly, even by some elements of the right, which I find fascinating. But we have to go through all this and break down what it all really means. What the White House is doing is serious. It's dark stuff. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members-only segments of the Timcast IRL podcast, as well as you'll you'll be supporting our new newsroom which should be launching, hopefully it's all coming out Monday. I know I've said that in the past and it always gets delayed, so you know, bear with me, but our our target is a Monday for our uh, beta, a public I'll, I'll call it a public beta cuz we're in alpha. We're going we're going to publish tons of news articles. I think we've got like six or seven writers. We're going to be adding way more doing real journalism on a variety of subjects, not just politics, not just culture war, just things we think are generally interesting of which will be news, you know, culture and politics. But don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this channel. Share this video. And uh, hopefully that's the way to overcome uh, sharing is the way to overcome the censorship. We know that Facebook is going after what they call disinformation. We know that it's basically anti-establishment narratives. We know those narratives typically come from conservatives. We know that there was one study which suggested that the people described as anti-vaxxer are actually well-informed. And we know that Merriam-Webster recently changed the definition of anti-vaxxer to somebody who opposed mandating vaccines. If they can shut down the lines of communication— they can solidify control. But these people are not gods. They are not geniuses. They are just regular people, and they want power. Centralized power doesn't work. To a certain degree, you need a mix, a nucleus, decentralized components. But they're trying to seize it all. Here's the story. Now, I have talked about this a little bit, but there are some developments. So let's go. Let's let's break this down. White House admits it is flagging problematic posts and, they, and Daily Mail says to Facebook. No, Jen Seki said for Facebook uh, to Facebook. They believe spread disinformation about the covid vaccine, sparking Glenn Greenwald to call the move a hallmark of fascism. Sacky's comments during Thursday's press briefing after the U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy said health misinformation is a serious threat to public health. During her comments, Psaki said the White House, the White House has increased disinformation tracking. And it's working with Facebook and popular influencers who can get accurate information out to the public. Among the critics who lashed out against the White House on Twitter and other social media outlets was journalist Glenn Greenwald, who said the union of corporate and state power is one of the classic hallmarks of fascism. That is true, though. Typical academic definitions of fascism say authoritarian, traditionalist nationalism. The main difference between fascism and communism in my opinion, is progressivism versus traditionalism. If you look back at what happened in Europe uh, pre-World War II, the fascists tended to be like, we need traditional values and an iron fist. And the communists tended to be like, we need to erase the traditions with an iron fist. And the communists were rather successful in certain areas and less successful in others. And we got a long, fascism was defeated, but then we got a long period of communism. That seems to be what they're doing. In an eight tweet thread posted Thursday afternoon, Greenwald said this idea that a president's administration can remove content it deems problematic is dangerous. Quote, if you don't find it deeply disturbing the White House is flagging Internet content they deem problematic to their Facebook allies for removal, then you are definitionally an authoritarian. No other information is needed about you to know that uh, Greenwald tweeted. There are hundreds of reactions to his thread and opinions have been split. When boiled down to their simplest forms, people arguing for cracking down on medical misinformation say it's important to get correct information to the public to save lives. Others argue that outlets like Facebook shouldn't be an arm of the government and have no right to ban or censor dissenting voices. The government doesn't have a right to do that. We have the First Amendment. It's fascinating that they use public health as an excuse to violate the First Amendment. And they're going to try and violate the Second Amendment and the Fourth and the Fifth, etc. They go on to say, Dan Gaynor of Media Research Center also ripped Inesaki and the White House team by tweeting, being anti-vaccine is part of free speech. Presec is against freedom. Unfortunately, it's true. It is. I don't like, well, let's be careful here. They changed the definition of anti-vaxxer. I don't like people who uh, uh, reject science Reject, reject technological progress. And there's a lot of people that I talk to about vaccines and there's all those videos of the magnets on people's arms. And I'm like, dude, there are legitimate concerns. But when you come out with this crackpot, crazy magnet brainwave chip stuff, you make it really difficult to have legitimate conversations about what's happening in the medical field. But who the is, are these celebrities to come out and tell you what medication you should be taking? Always, you will hear me say it a million times. I had someone say, Tim, I swear if you say talk to your doctor one more time, bro, I'm not going to get sued by you or anybody else because I gave someone advice on medical practices. It's the stupidest thing ever. Don't. I hear a lot of people say, but my doctor isn't. Well, talk to a different doctor. Okay. But anyway, I digress. People are allowed to have those conversations. So so Dr. uh, uh, Brett Weinstein, brilliant man. He's been talking about a bunch of things on his podcast and YouTube's taking him down for it talking about alternative things that he thinks are alternative, alternative treatments. We'll be careful here because YouTube will censor. And I actually disagree with him to a certain extent. Though the critics of him are acting like he should be banned or censored or he's insane, I'm like, he's actually an evolutionary biologist. And he knows a lot more than I do about this stuff. But I do think there's some political components here. And I, and I do think I am entitled to my opinion based on my research, though I defer to smarter people, typically, and the experts. I talked to Dr. Chris Martinson a pathologist who has been talking, who's been outspoken for some time about what's been going on with COVID. And we had a conversation at Timcast IRL and the members only podcast uh, where I actually pulled up studies that disagreed with what he said. And I said, I don't, I think you you, you have your opinion, but you've got conflicting studies here. So the point is the conversations need to happen. If people are gonna have a reasonable approach to this, let me, let me, let me, let me explain a little bit more. Dr. Chris Martinson said, there are studies that say X. And I said, that's interesting. How many? He said 53. And I said, well, here are some studies that, uh, that, that contradict those studies. And he said, well, those studies, you know, uh, those are no good studies. But then I found other reports that said the studies he said were no good as well. And I said, listen, if I can pull up studies that agree with you and disagree with you, I think ultimately it's hard for people to figure out what's true and what's not. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm telling people you need to get multiple opinions from medical professionals about what you should do. But it's that conversation that needs to happen so that people take responsibility for themselves and stop acting like I should be the one to tell them what to do or anybody else, be it Dr. Fauci or Rogan or whoever should tell them what to do. If you censor the information, you are going to hurt people. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. that's 877-646-5347. You shouldn't be going to a 7-Eleven to get a medical treatment. You shouldn't be drunk at a bar and people should not be going door to door. You should have a list of, when I went to the dentist and they're like, please check off every, any ailment you might have in your family. Cause then they're like, okay, here's what I can't prescribe you. So it's, it's, it's the same problem that they're claiming they're, they're shutting down. Gentech is like, we're getting rid of misinformation. You are also promoting it. So therein lies the big problem they're going to mention. John Cooper said, Jen Psaki says the Biden administration is actively flagging what they deem disinformation about the pandemic to Facebook for censoring. Could you imagine cigarettes, for instance, if if, if the government was like, they're totally fine and we're going to ban anybody who says otherwise? Not not ever. Look. There are people who are showing this video, I've seen a tweet of, um, it's gone around quite a bit, of Leonard Nimoy talking about global cooling, and they're like, aha, the experts are wrong. And I'm like, yeah, the experts are always wrong. Like, not always, always, but typically as we learn new things, our opinions change. That's true for me on political issues, and it's true for science. We get things wrong, we try to figure them out. That's the problem of absolutism and the problem of censorship. If someone says X is the truth, and then you censor anyone who comes out against X, well, then X is solidified, and we won't be able to progress and actually solve these problems. We cannot allow the government to do this. I hope they get sued over this, but you'll need standing, which means someone's going to have to have their post removed, I suppose, which could really mean anybody who posts anything that goes in violation of Facebook's guidelines could theoretically file a suit. But then how do you know if— the White House were actually the ones who censored you or told Facebook to censor you. It's tough. Now, I want to stress something. This is outright against conservatives, okay? And I don't, I'm not going to say absolutely, but it is against conservatives. This is basically the White House admitting the government is censoring mostly conservative voices. There's a few stories that you, that you need to understand. Take a look at this. CNN says, Tennessee controversy shows how anti-vax beliefs are bursting into GOP's mainstream. Well, as we know, Merriam-Webster defines anti-vax as opposing mandatory vaccination or effectively vaccine passports. There are many conservatives who oppose mandatory vaccination. That makes them anti-vax. That is a a, a Republican that is typically uh, found on the Republican side of the right uh, of the culture war, not the left. The media is outright saying that it's the right who are anti-vax. And when they say they're flagging misinformation, you don't even know exactly what it is they're flagging. Don't give the government that power. But the culture war left is more than happy to accept that the censorship will persist. FB, a Facebook oversight member, says free speech is not an absolute human right. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. It is. It absolutely is. And people need to speak up, even if they have bad opinions, so we can figure out what works and what doesn't and actually progress. But you know what's funny? They call, the, 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 they, they call people like me reactionary, opposing progress and the revolution. These are the people who want, who want everything to stay the same. They're trying to rewind the clock on civil rights and go back to segregation. They're trying to shut down speech so that we don't progress anymore. And they call themselves progressives. No, they're very conservative. And I mean that somewhat facetiously. The people in history say, stop. No, they're reactionary. They want to go back to the way things were. Now, something interesting is happening. While the government is doing this, while the, criti- while, while the critics are saying that the GOP is anti-vex, it all starts to tie together with another story: Freedom Phone on Twitter. Candace Owens. Candace Owens has a substantial amount of followers, 2.7 million. She is is, is no C lister. She is the A lister of the of the political uh, conservative movement. And there was a poll recently that found I think she she had uh, fifth place in terms of who should run for president. People really like Candace Owens. Conservatives, I should say. She tweeted. I just did a live on Instagram, taking everyone through the new Freedom Phone, which is now trending. So excited that I partnered with a solution against Apple and Google. Use code Candace for 10% off your new phone. And I see, I, I like Jack, Jack Posobiec, I think, as one. He's like, use, use code Poso for your Freedom Phone. Now, I like the idea. I've met the guy from Freedom Freedom Phone. In fact, he was actually at my house at one point. He was here with one of our other guests, and we passively talked about this. Not A whole much more than that. It's an interesting idea. He calls it uncensorable freedom phone. This is their website, freedomphone.com. The freedom phone is a free speech and privacy first focused phone with features like tracking blockers and an uncensorable app store. And that's basically it not a whole lot of information about what this phone is, what it does, what the specs are, how good's the camera, the processor. These are things I typically want to know before I buy a device. And I have tons of devices because I actually have, uh, we've developed, I've developed a couple different apps back in the day. Mostly they're on hiatus, kind of just frozen in place. I've also hacked several phones to run. I say hack, but I've done a bunch of weird things with phones, hacked a bunch of crazy tech. Uh, I used to work very heavily in mobile technology so I don't know about the details. What I can say is, all right, if you want to provide a service to regular people who aren't familiar with how to produce, a, 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 how to to break into a phone, or how, how to install a new operating system that can be more secure, this is the easiest way to do it. Makes sense to me. I haven't actually gone through any forensic analysis of these phones. I can't vet. I can't vouch for them. I don't know. But you know what? Somebody's making a phone that's not. Apple or Google, it's going to have its own app store. Cool, cool. We'll come back to this concept in just a second because I want to show you what happened with the media. All of a sudden, this is what we see. The Daily Beast's Will Summer. Ah, yes, ever the great uh, technologist. He writes, Maga World's Freedom Phone actually budget Chinese phone. Maga influencers are pushing a phone preloaded with apps like Parler and Rumble that appears to be a vastly more expensive version of a phone made in China. Now, what's interesting is people are sharing this. It's this article is going pretty viral where they're laughing at conservatives. And I don't see anything in this article that actually in any way suggests the phone is not good. I mean, maybe you don't want to use a phone that's made in China. As the founder of Freedom Phone stated on on, uh, Twitter, there's like no real American facility for producing a phone. And he says the phone is not made in mainland China, though it appears the phone is actually a reskinned version of a piece of Chinese hardware. Still, I don't know if that matters. But let's read the story and talk about they're really going after this. I got to say, I think Freedom Phone is over target. I got to go through the specs. I'm, I want to have a forensic analysis of this. I want to check for data leakage. I want to I see if, uh, uh, do some tests to see if it's uh, actually tracking you. Take a look at their capabilities and, um, and then give my actual review or assessment on what this phone is. I haven't done it yet. So I find it so fascinating that so many people on Twitter are, are attacking it relentlessly and that so many news outlets have actually written about this. But wait, it's worse than just this one hit piece. You know, we're talking about censorship and anti-vaxxers and all that stuff, right? Take a look at this from the Washington Post. What the freedom, what the freedom phone and the rights anti-vax campaign have in common. <laughs> what? <laughs> Here we go. Full circle, baby. That's right. Because when they say anti-vax, they're talking about run-of-the-mill conservatism. They're talking about regular people who are questioning law and vaccine passport. They're using anti-vax to refer to anyone who is talking specifically about mRNA and nothing. It's, it's, it's a political term that doesn't really mean what people think it means. And I don't even know what they're trying to convey in this other than they're trying to link the freedom phone to anti-vax. Wow. Freedom phone over target. Much Take a look at this first story from the Daily Beast. Will Sommer writes, "The pro-Trump internet went wild on Wednesday for the Freedom Phone, a $500 smartphone that comes stocked with conservative apps and promises to liberate anyone else who buys it from Silicon Valley. Who, who buys it from Silicon Valley censorship? To liberate you from it. The American flag-branded phone was immediately promoted by a wide range of right-wing figures, including Roger Stone, Ellie Alexander, and Dinesh D'Souza. "Quote: I'm holding a freaking phone that is not controlled by Apple or Google." Conservative personality Candace Owens told her fans in an Instagram video. We made the switch immediately. I just want to point out that there are a ton of phones that are not controlled by Apple or Google. There are a lot of Chinese ones. and There's, a, there's phones in other countries too, but I digress. Despite being lauded by some of the right-wing, right-wing media's leading figures, though, the Freedom Phone's buyers could be getting less than they expect for its $500 price tag. That's because the Freedom Phone appears to, to be merely a more expensive rebranding of a budget Chinese phone available elsewhere for a fraction of the Freedom Phone's price. The Freedom Phone was created by Eric Finman, the self-proclaimed youngest Bitcoin millionaire and one of Time Magazine's most influential teens of 2014. In a video announcing the phone, Finman said he was inspired to create the phone after the tech giants cracked down on both Donald Trump and conservative social media at Parler in the wake of, January 6th, uh, of the January 6th riot. Imagine if Mark Zuckerberg censored MLK or Ab- Abraham Lincoln, Finman said in the video. Now I want to pause for a second and go over... Some of what he said. Notice at the beginning of the article, this is how Will Sommer uh, uh, lies. It's, it's, it's a framing device. He says the phone's buyers could be getting less than they expect. What do they expect? The Freedom OS, which he's offered. The Uncensorable App Store, which he's offered. And a phone, which he's offered. If people want to buy that for $500, they made that choice. I'm fine with it. Acting like the phone exists from a Chinese manufacturer. When, when, what he's doing is, hey, look, there's another version of this phone that's cheaper. Sure, but it's not the Freedom Phone. It's not running the preloaded apps, which I get you can download yourself. It's not running his specific app store. I guess you could install some other app store. And it's not running his operating system. I guess you could install your own, your, your own operating system if you want to use like Graphene OS or something else. Or there's somebody who's offered up a service where he's preloaded all of those things. So you don't have to learn how to do it yourself. I don't understand. What's the criticism? The hardware was made by a Chinese company. Yeah, Android, uh, many Android phones are made in China, and you've got uh, very few of the phones actually made in the US. I don't think, I don't think at scale they make any in the US for the most part. There's probably some small ones. He goes on to say, Freedom Phone's website is nearly totally devoid of technical information about the device. Finman declares that the, declares in the promotional video that the Freedom Phone is comparable to the best smartphones on the market and truly is the best phone in the world. I mean, that's an opinion. In fact, Freedom Phone appears to be a simple rebranding of a budget phone called the Umidigi A9 Pro, made by the Chinese tech company Umidigi. In an interview with the Daily Beast, Finman confirmed the Freedom Phone was manufactured by Umidigi, but didn't say immediately which Umidigi phone it was based on. Well, it could be that it is an Umidigi phone, but it's not the A9 Pro. It's just a similar model with different specs. The Freedom Phone's $500 price tag would represent a substantial markup on the Umidigi A9 Pro. That phone is available on Chinese retail giant AliExpress for $120, less than one quarter of the price of a Freedom phone. And this is why this article is a smear. If you bought the Umedigi Chinese, you know, A9 Pro for $120, you're not getting access to the things that he's offering, Freedom OS and the store. I'm not saying those things are actually worth what he's charging it for, but he's selling something different. Based on what, what Eric Finman has said, it seems like they've built their own operating system. I don't see the issue other than the Daily Beast and many left-wing media outlets are trying to make it seem like the phone is a bad idea or a waste of money. And you've even got people like, you know, I was tweeting with Rabe Suave of of Reason.com, Libertarian, and he said it was snake oil. And I said, that's not a response to what I said. Basically, there's a thread where he called it a grift and said the grifters are selling the grift phone. And then I said, oh, geez, you know, an article from famed technology, lauded technologist and an expert on the far, 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 far right, Will Summer, Yeah, I immediately questioned the Freedom Fund when he writes about it. Robbie's response was that he's criticized Summer in the past, but you can't disregard relevant information for political reasons. And I said, what information? I said, the real issue is whether or not data leaks from the phone and whether or not it's tracking you. If they offer you a product that they've customized and built things into, it doesn't matter if the base model costs something else. That's ridiculous. It's like someone selling you a rock, but then I'll put it this way. Someone is selling a piece of canvas with a picture on it. But did you know that the canvas only cost $5? Well, maybe I don't want a blank canvas. Maybe I want the fancy picture of the sailboat by the lighthouse. Someone had to paint the boat and the lighthouse. It's a different product. So it's fascinating then when the response I got was, Tim, it's snake oil. And I said, that's not a response to what I just said. See, this is the problem. There's so many people who just want to play that contradictory game. I don't know if the phone's fantastic. I haven't done a forensic analysis of, of it. We haven't put any, any apps on it to see where data is being leaked to. We don't know for sure. Supposedly, you can get the phone. You can put your SIM card in it. It works. But boy, are they mad about it. So when I can see the Biden administration saying we're going to censor information, and then I can see some guy saying, here's a phone that doesn't do that, I say, okay. And then when I see the, the hysteria over this phone, but it's clever. They're not coming out and pointing out actual technical defects. They're mocking it as dumb. They don't want people to use it to be embarrassed or whatever. Yeah, I don't base my decisions off whether or not someone else will you know, laugh at me or not. Obviously, there's a lot of people on the left and the right who laugh at me. I really don't care. Life's pretty good over at TimCast.com and The Compound, and we're going to keep expanding. So a lot of people, you can say a lot of things about a lot of things, and I'm going to keep doing my thing. And I'll tell you this, the hate on Freedom Phone seemingly makes no sense for a device that hasn't even been tested or legitimately reviewed yet because it's not out. I'd love to get it, have one of my my tech experts run through it and give me an actual technical uh, assessment of the device. Personally, I wouldn't use it. You know why? Not because I think it's a bad device, because like I said in the earlier in earlier in the segment, I can take a phone and personally I can rip that thing to shreds software wise and put whatever I want on it. I've done some really cool stuff. I I, I, there's one I I made a phone that looked like a pit boy from Fallout. So and like you load it up, it's really cool. I I I love that stuff. And then I was showing my look, it's like a pit boy. Look what I did. I put this. I I put an operating system and these apps on it, and uh, we've done a bunch of cool stuff with live streaming technology and manipulating these phones. So for me personally. and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com Using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. I'm going to do it myself. But here's the issue. He goes on, and and I think the analogy about a painting probably makes the most sense. The base model is $120, and he's selling it for $500. And yeah, if someone took a rock and then chiseled it to make the shape of a little Easter Island head, that'd be worth more money, too. Someone did work, applied it to a product. What's with the weird hit piece? Now, some people have pointed out that the chipset is easily hackable if you have physical access. And I'm like, okay. All phones are hackable if you have physical access. They're called O-Day exploits or Zero-Day exploits. I'm sure many people in the government have the ability to hack into a lot of phones. There's been reporting that the FBI was able to break into iPhones, apparently. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they were able to break in. And Android devices tend to be a little bit easier because there's so many different versions of Android devices. But in the end, yeah, if your phone gets stolen, you're in trouble. If you have the phone on you and it's not censoring you, it's not tracking you, then you've got what you've paid for. Now, take a look at this. This right here should show you, man, this op-ed. Freedom phones over target. They're trying to lump it in with anti-vax when literally it's just a guy being like, you should be able to have free speech like the Constitution says. And they're like, no, no, no. It's bad. It's a Chinese phone. It's snake oil, Tim. Doesn't mean anything. Does the phone work? Okay, whatever. Now, look, I certainly think if you have the opportunity, don't make stuff out of China. It's not so easy all the time. But um, you know, in the United States, I've been looking into manufacturing in a, to a certain extent, and it's really difficult. We might do our own prototyping and stuff with 3D printer, and then actually make some base components for some stuff we want to build, but it's not easy. It's not. At the very least, if this guy can get out a phone that will give people the ability to, com- to communicate uncensored, that's a network that I think is worth building. I'm always worried about this stuff, though, because there have been instances where You get honeypots. A honeypot is basically a trap, right? Someone will say, hey, check out this phone. It's great. It won't censor. You 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 get it and it's it's tracking everything you're doing. I'll explain it. Uh, I'll break it down. During my days covering all of these protests, which I I don't do anymore because it's too dangerous, but when I was on the ground, people keep telling me that the government is is, is, is shutting down the internet, censoring their phones. You'd be at a protest and then all of a sudden your internet's not working and they'd be like, the government's jamming our cell phones. And I'm like, no, they aren't. Typically, the government brings in backup cell towers. Trucks will come in with antennas. They want to help you communicate. What's really happening is that you're jamming the service. There's too much trying to get through at any one time. So the data is all cluttered up and the tower breaks down. You know, you can't get information out of it. The government wants you communicating because they want to be able to spy on you. So censorship is actually bad for intelligence agencies. So the one thing about the Freedom Phone that I would be concerned about is, is it possible that these phones can get intercepted in delivery, loaded with an O-Day exploit that allows all of your information to be easily spun and tracked? Maybe. Ultimately, I don't think it matters because I think the NSA has their tendrils into all the phone companies as it is. So it can help bypass apps that use encrypted communications and, and encryption but I, I, I'm, I'm really not super concerned about that. Overall, I think if you're offering up a service to provide people free speech, it's a good thing. No wonder now they're trying to link it together. Now, you may remember when I said that uh, Candace Owens is not a C-list celebrity because this guy for, for Washington Post says, C-list conservative celebrities like Candace Owens. I mean, dude, she's like an A-lister, bro. She's a conservative celebrity and she's the top of the top. They say they have endorsed the handset of liberty. Well, he's trying to claim that this has something to do with vaccines, that's where it gets really weird. The vaccines are a perfect example, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm, I'm not super interested in, in, in giving airtime to the absurdity of his argument. But it's part of this, 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 this wave where they're trying to say someone creating a platform with an app store that bestows the values of free speech and classical liberalism is a bad thing. I find that fishy. Maybe you won't use it because it's not convenient. But Apple and Google certainly want control of things. Let me just add one final thing. You can get any Android. And you jailbreak them. You root them. You put in a different operating system. You purge them. you, You DOD suite, whatever you want to call it, just wiping all the data off of it. You can then install separate app stores. There are free and open app stores that are not Freedom OS or the uncensored app store. However, it does require hiring someone or knowing how to do it. Most people don't. Freedom phone can be very, very dangerous for the establishment. So it's no wonder that they're colluding with big tech and then freaking out that a new technology service is becoming available that will stop the censorship. Funny how that works. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez has finally come out and addressed the growing unrest in Cuba, stating in no uncertain terms that it's America's fault. That's that's right. The people in Cuba are suffering because America won't trade them stuff. It is so deliciously communist to be like, it's not our fault we can't succeed. It's your fault because you've got stuff. You guys ever see that movie Elysium? where there's like a floating ring of all the rich people and they've got the wonderful technology you can just lay in it cures all your diseases. This is actually how these people view the world as if like America has every answer for all of these people. Listen, your country, it's your responsibility. You're not entitled to trade. AOC is basically saying that the embargo on Cuba is why they're suffering. No, if Cuba can't sustain itself, that's why it's suffering. If the Cuban government is a dictatorship and people can't be free to do their thing, that's why they are suffering. There is no obligation of the United States or anyone else to give anyone else anything. But these people live in the world where they believe your stuff is my stuff. So the people of Cuba should be able to just have access to our stuff. Look, I think the embargo's dumb for a lot of reasons, but that's not why Cuba's in trouble right now. Now, AOC is getting roasted by another Democrat, this time from Florida, because people in Florida don't like communism, even many of the Democrats. I shouldn't say all because there's probably a lot of young progressives who live there. But a lot of the people who moved to Florida or fled Cuba or have family who did, they ain't going to like Cuban communism. So even the Democrats in Florida, I think there's like one actually, one, one statewide uh, Democrat. And I think that's her. But let's read the story. AOC's Cuba tweet draws fiery response from Florida Dem. We also must name the U.S. contribution to Cuban suffering, our 60-year-old embargo. That's right. it's, It's our fault that they're communists. They say Rep. AOC on Thursday ran into opposition from a prominent Florida Democrat after she called for the U.S. to end its embargo on Cuba, underlining divisions within the party on how to respond to the communist country's recent upheaval. I will say... There's issues with the embargo. I think are dumb, and 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 I'll probably I, sh- I should probably elaborate a little bit. People just go there anyway. When I, I, I when I lived in Florida, I had a bunch of people there tell me that like Americans hop on boats and go and they go to Cuba and they you know act like normal. I don't I don't know too much about what they actually do, so maybe it's still within the lines of the embargo. But it, it seems to be that I suppose it's a greater level of pressure. There's problems with it, put it mildly. But I I, I do think there's an issue with. You know, it might make sense in some capacity not to trade with people who are communist dictators, who are abusing their people and things like that. So I'll just put it this way. It's it's a tough circumstance, but it's not our responsibility. Quote, we, must, we also must name the U.S. contribution to Cuban suffering, our 60-year-old embargo. AOC tweeted, I outright reject the Biden administration's defense of the embargo. It is never acceptable for us to use cruelty— as a point of leverage against everyday people. I love this so much that, like, imagine you're sitting on your porch sipping a, a tall glass of lemonade, and, it, and that glass is sweating with condensation, and you're rocking back and forth, fanning yourself. And a guy walks up and says, can I, can I have that lemonade? And you go, no, I, I, I don't think you can. Uh, would, you, would, you, would you trade it with me? No, I don't think I will. This is cruelty. You are causing my suffering by not giving me your stuff. Or you can just be like, go away. We're not giving you stuff. Communists, man. This is a matter of national. Oh, oh so, so former Florida congresswoman Debbie M- mucarsel Powell publicly chastised the New York congresswoman on Twitter pointing to failed policies of the communist regime that has violated human rights, imprisoned and killed dissidents. I mean, that actually might be a good reason not to engage in trade with that country. This is a matter of national security. The U.S. must act. Uh, McCarcel Powell tweeted, the starkly differing positions exemplify a split between progressive and moderate Democrats on the Cuban embargo. AOC has risen to prominence in the House as part of a progressive coalition. McCarcel Powell, who has been advising Nancy Pelosi on Cuba policy, was ousted from her heavily Latino South Florida district in 2020 when Hispanic voters broke hard for Republicans as they pounded Democrats for being socialists. When Miami Democrats ran from the, uh, ran from the term, Ocasio-Cortez has aligned with Democratic Socialists. The Democratic Socialists have publicly supported the communist regime. Black Lives Matter has publicly supported the communist regime. Ocasio-Cortez is publicly supporting the communist Oh, okay, she's apologizing for the communist regime. They're going to mention Cubans took to the streets in historic protests and demonstrations against the six-decade-old regime the past week, leading to hundreds of arrests. Joe Biden has been slow to react. Meanwhile, Florida Democrats see an opportunity for Biden to help bring democracy to Cuba. That's right. That's what we'll call it. Uh, I'm not a fan. I don't think there's going to be an appropriate way to intervene with Cuba. I don't mind sanctions. Sort of, sort of. Uh, sanctions stop a country from trading with other people. The embargo is the U.S. being like, yo, we're not going to trade with you. I like that. Look, man, if you do crazy crackpot stuff and you're like evil, then I'm not going to trade with you. I, we have no reason to. The United States has resources. We have allies around the world. And we don't need to be dealing with Cuba. Now, it is funny that we have Guantanamo Bay, which creates a whole other issue, I guess. But we don't need to be trading with people who do this kind of stuff. Now, Joe Biden actually wants to intervene. I think this is a bad, bad idea no matter what. However, Biden isn't talking about military intervention. He's talking about technological intervention. So this might get interesting. There's a fine line between... It's starting a war and uh, uh, invading a country, strike forces, airstrikes or whatever. We had the mayor of Miami say, uh, we got to have airstrikes on the table. Joe Biden's talking about communications technology. Hmm, that, that might be a good idea, actually. I mean, of course, the country will still consider it to be an act of war. But enabling communications, I don't have that big of a problem with. In fact, there are many activist groups, people that I've known for a long time who do just that. They, they, they dial in phone lines into countries that are trying to shut down the internet. And this was t- 10 years ago they were doing this stuff. I don't know if they're still doing it. But they would provide dial-up internet lines so people could send word and send images and videos, tell people what was going on in their countries during this unrest. Well, Joe Biden wants to get involved. The Bi- Biden is considering U.S. intervention in Cuba as anti-government protests spread. The U.S. is exploring whether it has the technology to assist protesters in Cuba suffering from blackouts orchestrated by the government. Biden said Thursday, among other options. They say the U.S. is weighing intervention. Uh, This is likely due to Internet. Quote, they've cut off access to the Internet, Biden said at the White House Thursday afternoon in a press conference alongside German Chancellor Angela Merkel. We're considering whether we have the technology to reinstate that access. I want how would you do that? Because I've seen a lot of people say we should get Internet to the people of Cuba. And I'm like, okay, I like the idea. If the if the communist regime has nothing to hide and the people really support them, then let the people speak. Right. Hmm. I wonder why they would shut the internet down. Probably because they're communist authoritarians and nobody likes them. Anyway, do we have the actual technology to get the internet out for them? Most of these people probably have cable or some kind of wireless or Wi-Fi or dial up internet. If it's wired internet, we can't just dial into it. I don't know how we would do this other than some kind of satellite, but then the people need some kind of satellite receiver. We could theoretically, you know what? I'll be honest. The U.S. definitely has the ability to jam up Cuban cell towers, bring out mobile cell towers with massive range, and actually start implementing communications for that play for for for, for this region. But uh, I don't know if, the, if if the Cuban government would just be okay with that. They say widespread internet blackouts across the Caribbean island appear to have been enacted by the government and follow surprisingly diverse protests in Cuban cities. Individuals and families from a variety of backgrounds, in addition to journalists and activists, are gathering to speak out against acute shortages of supplies needed to address the most pernicious effects of the ongoing pandemic. Reports have emerged that Cubans have had to line up for blocks to purchase whatever they can, they can find at stores. And outrage has been magnified by inflation, as well as the blackouts amid tropical summer heat. It has destroyed me. Raisa Emilia Gonzalez-Cantillo, the mother of a jailed artist and dissident, told The Washington Post on Wednesday. We don't even have internet to tell the world what's happening. Biden on Thursday described Cuba as a failed state that is repressing their citizens. His comments represent a break from his former boss, Obama, who prioritized repairing relations with Cuba among his Western Hemisphere policies. Now, look, I don't know if intervention is the the right idea. I can say credit where credit is due, Joe Biden. Cuba is awful. The communists are awful, and we need to call it out. There are a number of things we are considering doing to help the people of Cuba, but that would require a different circumstance or a guarantee that they would not be taken advantage of by the government. Biden added, he offered as an example, the cash remittances that Cuban Americans could send to family on the island. The U.S. does not currently permit those due to concerns that government would confiscate them for its own purposes. And um, yeah, it probably would. Biden said the U.S. also does not have plans to ship vaccines for COVID to Cuba Until an international aid organization can ensure average citizens would have access to them. Biden's comments come as he faces increased domestic political pressure, particularly in key states like Florida, to do more to help the people of the ailing island. Where is Biden? Chance broke out at a protest in Tampa this week. You know, I got to be honest. Biden is screwed. The Democrats are screwed. The Republicans don't do all that much. But at the very least, Republicans are mostly unified. At least they have Trump, a charismatic leader or charismatic enough. Joe Biden is trying to contend with Democrats like AOC who blame America and Democrats in Florida who blame communism. How will you ever win Florida? These midterms are going to be spicy. Okay, you had a safe Democrat district in Miami, safe Democrat. They were like, this thing's going to go 20 points, Democrat. It flipped Republican. Nobody saw that coming. Not even the Republicans, but they did it. Why? Democrats in Florida, sure, they may say things like, I actually agree with certain left-wing policy and I'm not particularly religious or anything like that, but uh, they don't like communism. And as more and more of the Hispanic community, many of those with, with ties to Venezuela or Cuba or you know, Nicaragua, some of these other countries, the more they see what, what they saw in their own country happening here, the more likely they're going to vote against it no matter what. I think about what happens. Florida was, it was a narrow, very, very close race between you, you had DeSantis, you had Gillum. Then, you, you, you know, you, you have uh, the Senate race. Very close. Well, relatively close. Relatively. I think 2022, we might see many, many more safe blue areas turn Republican. Now, I don't know for sure. A lot can change. Right now, it may not matter. What we're seeing right now may as well be a thousand years away, the election, because what really matters is that week right before the election happens. You know, look, going up to the election, the months, they matter, but it really hyper concentrates in that final week. If something happens, something changes. But Joe Biden's in trouble. The people in California are not going to support the Democrats in Florida. Democrats, even in the U.S., are in complete disarray. So if Joe Biden comes out and says, come on, man, you know, communism's bad, Cuba, what's going to happen? Progressives are going to revolt. AOC, I mean, Black Lives Matter with nearly what, 5 million followers came out and defended the communist regime. The DSA tweeted in support of the communists. And the crazy thing is these people are so dumb that they're like, it's America's fault. It's America's fault that we don't give our stuff away to other people. Think about how moronic that is. It's like I said with the lemonade analogy. You're walking down the street and a guy says, give me your shirt. And you're like, I will not do that. I'll trade you for it. I'm not giving my shirt. You are causing me suffering. Sound familiar? You guys see that video of the woman who's being filmed in the store and then she starts screaming and she falls to the ground and she's rolling around on the ground. It's It's insane. She's like a, it's like a women's clothing store or something. And she's screaming and on the ground, just rolling. I'm like, that's, uh, that's millennials. This is what happens when you raise a generation to be entitled. Uh, to be entitled. They become communists. They become socialists. And what ends up happening is they say, you need to give me stuff. That's why I'm suffering. That's really the mentality they have. Maybe that is the core at which divides the factions in, in, in the culture war. That is, the, that, that is the the singular issue. That someone like me, I say, you know what? Leave me alone. And the other person says, give me your stuff. That's it. That's really what it comes down to. AOC is like, we should be able to take stuff and then give people stuff. I want your stuff. Give me your stuff. And I'm kind of like, leave me alone and let me do my thing. Even if you're liber- like, so on the libertarian spectrum, that's basically it. Anybody who is not in that space, they ain't libertarian. Okay, you can be libertarian-ish. And I don't mean big L libertarian. I mean like, so you've got the authoritarian spectrum, you've got the libertarian spectrum. Where I'm at is, you know what? Disagree with Ron Paul on a lot of ideological issues, but he's Dr. No. And if he became president and said, I'm going to leave you alone, I'd be like, thank you. Thank you, thank you Dr. Paul. And I'd, I'd go do my thing. That's why I like the Pauls, the Paul family. Now, I want to be left alone. I want to go to the middle of nowhere, have my little hippie commune. Have some chickens, grow vegetables, and not have some dumb communists show up at my house and say, the reason everyone is suffering is because you grew vegetables you didn't give to us. That's the mentality of these people.
1: Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up
0: You got a backyard. Maybe you got a backyard. Let's say you go in your backyard and you take out some tomato seeds and you put them in the ground and you go, "Ooh, this is going to be fun. And you water them every day and then tomatoes grow. And you're like, excellent. Now I have tomatoes for my family. Then your neighbor says, I'm suffering. Give me your tomatoes. And you say, I'm not going to give you my tomatoes. And they say, well, I'll trade you for them. I am not going to trade my tomatoes. You are causing me suffering. That's what these people think. Dude, plant your own vegetables. Well, tomatoes are fruits, but I digress. Bloomberg reports. Desperate Cubans brave sea to flee COVID and islands unrest.
1: Oh, they're fleeing
0: COVID, is it, Bloomberg? I I love the, the sheer absurdity that is the modern condition. All of these media outlets saying COVID is the real problem. Bloomberg, come on, man. On July 6th, as Hurricane Elsa roared towards Florida, five Cuban men on a rickety wooden boat went ashore about 18 miles north of Miami. After days at sea, some of the refugees clapped in relief as they disembarked. Hours later, the U.S. Coast Guard was rushing to save another Cuban group. This we understand. The sudden surge in bolseros, or rafters, setting sail for South Florida, uh, like the spontaneous protest that broke out in Havana, is a sign that living conditions on the communist island are rapidly deteriorating 16 months into the pandemic. An untamed COVID outbreak is racing through the island, deepening an economic crisis that began when the regime's longtime benefactor, Venezuela, ended its financial support following the 2014 oil price collapse. I don't... uh care to to play any stupid games about blaming COVID for why people are fleeing Cuba because people have been fleeing Cuba for a long time. And of course, Cuba is no longer getting financial support from Venezuela. The end is nigh for the the socialists and the communists. But I'll tell you this. I am absolutely 100% in favor of allowing the Cuban people who are fleeing that country to come here as refugees and settle where they please. It probably would make sense to have them settle uh, in strategically located areas, like not just have them all end up in Florida. But I'm in favor of it. I'm in favor of refugees and asylum seekers coming to the southern border. So long as they're actually refugees and asylum seekers. You see, there's the issue. For people in Cuba, your closest destination for safety, Florida. You, You get in a boat, you can go. I, I think, what, what is it, a couple hours by boat if you're on a speedboat or something? That's what someone was told me. I, could, I, I think it's like two hours, is it? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, if you're in Cuba and you're like, help, help, we're being repressed. I know. Let's flee and seek refugee. Uh, let's, let's, refuge. And so you flee to Florida, one of the closest countries, the closest places for you to go. Makes sense to me. If we send you back, they'll kill you. Okay, we're going to figure something out. Then you have the southern border. Now, here's the problem. They come from Honduras. They go through all these different countries. They go through, you know, Mexico and they get here. And then they're like, we could stay in Mexico. And Mexico is awesome, by the way. Legit, super awesome. And they're like, no, but we want to come here. And I'm like, bro, that's not legit. That's you're not you're not you're not fleeing something. You're trying to get somewhere else. You know what I mean? People who want to come to America. I get it. And it does kind of suck because you can be like, man, if only I was in Cuba, then I could come to America. Well, the people in Cuba have little option. And Mexico City is beautiful. It is wealthy. They got Buffalo Wild Wings. Why pass that up and then try and come to the southern U.S. border? So here's the problem. Right now, the Democrats are saying they won't accept these refugees from Cuba, which is the most insane thing I've ever heard. It's literally right there. Cuba. Nope. We're going to turn you away and send you to a different country. When Donald Trump said the people at the southern border coming and would would be, be told to wait in Mexico, they said that Trump was a racist and a bigot and was calling Mexicans all these awful names. Trump didn't even say, we're going to reject you outright. He said, we're going to have you wait in Mexico while we process your asylum, your paperwork. And the left said that was wrong. And Joe Biden ended that policy. So this is ultimately what it comes down to. The Democratic Party is in a, psycho, is, is in, is in a psychotic position. Joe Biden simultaneously allowing people to come to the southern border while his administration won't allow Cubans to come here when that actually makes sense, because nothing they do makes sense. AOC is praising the communists while Joe Biden is blaming the communists. The Democratic Party is in chaos. Sorry, the progressives that are trying to take over are nuts, are entitled. And I'll tell you this, man, it used to be Democrats and Republicans Soon it's going to be the workers and the thieves. What I mean by that is the Democratic Party is increasingly becoming the party of you should give me your stuff. And so you're going to have people on the Republican side saying we're working class and we want to have a factory and they're going to be like, give me your stuff. That's communism. People who don't want to work and want to use the monopoly of government violence to take from you. And therein lies the big problem of authoritarian government at any rate. The federal government needs to be we- needs to be weaker, substantially weaker. And I think it's getting weaker in a lot of ways. It's hard to know for sure. In some areas, it seems to be getting stronger. In some areas, you know, less and less states are actually paying attention to what the federal government wants. But the federal government should be extremely weak. The states should be the little experiments of democracy like they're supposed to be. And the federal government should back off. The problem is many Democrats who are socialists and communists don't want to do work, don't understand how work works, and want to take your stuff because they're like, if this guy's got 10 bucks, he can give that five bucks to somebody else. I love the stupidity of... If we have all these billionaires, why don't they just solve world hunger? Let me ask you a question, socialists. If Jeff Bezos liquidated some of his stock into cash to trade, and uh, and, and let's, let's just say the stock price didn't take a hit that bad. And then he said, okay, now I'm going to shift this into major food production and purchasing to feed the hungry. He provides meals To all of these poor, hungry people in these third world countries, what happens? What happens next? Serious question. Do you have an answer? Because I can tell you, because we've done this. We and many other countries have tried to end hunger. There's a problem with it. First, the people become dependent. you, You already have people who can't sustain themselves in whatever region they're in. In some instances, there's no food because they can't grow it. So we give them food. Then they eat it and say, we need more food. Often, depending on how much food we give, they then have more family. They have children and now require even more food. And so we're like, okay, so this isn't actually solving the problem. It's actually making it worse. We don't want people starving or suffering, but just giving food doesn't solve anything. Why? Because if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man a fish, you feed him for the rest of his life, which is why we've shifted to providing tablets an education to these areas so they can learn how to make self-sustaining agriculture, build buildings, and generally improve their lives. The left doesn't get this, though. They want immediate satisfaction. They're entitled. Just give me the food. Why are you throwing away all that food? That's a good point. We shouldn't make it. We shouldn't waste it. But we can't just walk up to someone, dump a pile of food at their feet, and say, have a nice day. It doesn't work. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. The United States has been occupied by a hostile force. They tell us our history is wrong. They tell us our history is evil. They tell us that the majority of the population are evil oppressors who must bow down. I mean, if you were to tell me the story of the culture war as it is now, but explain it as some historical event that happened in some faraway land, I'd assume that an invasive force broke through the barriers and the gates of the country, stormed in, and then subjugated its people. What we see right now in the U.S., the NFL, they're going to be playing the Black National Anthem before the Star-Spangled Banner during 10-pole 2021 season games, and players will feature the names of police brutality victims on their helmets. What we are seeing is the systematic erasure of traditional American culture, but faster than we've seen before. Now, progress or change, these things happen over a long period of time. The things that we once did in America in the early 1900s are offensive, and we don't do that now. That is the evolution of an American culture. I think we've done a pretty good job. What we're seeing now is more akin to a a culture being replaced overnight. Why are we going to be playing two different national anthems at sporting events? Well, these events may, as, may, may very well get woke, go broke. The attempts to erase and change culture dramatically and rapidly may not actually work. You need to do it slowly over a few generations. You know, typically what we see in history is one invading force comes in, takes over, occupies a city, and then says you can't speak this language, you can't practice these things. And over time it gets erased, but it still takes a generation. Now that requires physical force. When you don't have physical force, the government does to a certain degree, and Antifa and BLM have been rioting, the less physical force you can exert, the longer it will take. So naturally, a culture can change, and it can progress, and everyone's kind of cool with it. But the problem now is we're getting this rapid and dramatic change, and it is, in my opinion, a chaotic and destructive force that won't actually help people flourish and survive. And it won't lead us towards a future where we can travel the stars. You know, I'd love to be more like the Federation in Star Trek, but it appears like we're going to be more like the Borg, I guess. Now, with this story from the NFL, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world that they're going to be singing a different a, a different song or whatever. I do think it's bad. I, I think having a, a different national anthem played at the exact same time is indicative of two different countries— which suggests, I mean, we're in some kind of civil war, isn't it? And as long as this culture keeps growing and crushing the traditional American culture, and eventually one will be destroyed. And we know which one that is, the right, the traditional American culture. Now, as for me, I'm a bit of a reformist. I don't think that simply because it was America and apple pie and all that stuff means that we should just keep doing it. I'm not a big fan of baseball. Never been a big fan. America's pastime, I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's not me. A lot of people really like baseball and they don't want to see it go, but people sometimes change their tastes. Apple pie, ton of sugar, as American as apple pie. Yeah, I like apple pie, but I try to avoid it because it's bad for you for the most part. You see, the point I'm trying to make is there can be reasonable change. The problem is they're not going after something like eating sugary treats or playing a sport. They're going after our founding documents, our constitution, the evolution of this country that has expanded civil rights for everybody. And they are pushing segregation, division and racial animosity. How will they go about doing it? Things like this. And I think this will ultimately lead to more division. But the collapse isn't just this one story, which we'll get to. This is, this is a bit of a, um, a cornucopia of culture war chaos that I bring to you in this segment. The next story we have is the new emoji set that's coming in, which includes pregnant men. Pregnant men. Yeah. I mean, these, this is a, a, a change. That is happening in society. We saw a change with gay marriage, for instance. They have emojis where it's like two men who are holding hands with a heart over their head. And these things, they're real. It's emoji that represents something legitimate. But the pregnant man phenomenon is substantially less, uh, less in occurrence than even gay marriage. So ultimately, I don't really care too much about emojis. If you want to have a pregnant man emoji, I'm kind of like, sure, whatever. But you need to understand the grains of sand making a heap and where this ultimately leads to. What I can say is, right now, considering Republicans are basically inept and uh, incapable of governance, we may just end up with, well, I I think it's fair to say that the left will win, but it does look like we're heading towards balkanization because the internet is preventing people from just being cut off. Back in the day, as I mentioned with the occupation, you could come out and say, no one's allowed to speak these things and have to do it in secret and hiding. We may get to that point. I mean, censorship is getting really bad for anybody who's anti-establishment, but there's still ways to communicate through technology and mesh networks. So what does that mean? I did the math. I did the math, and it was a lot of math. The other day, I did a segment talking about how over 35% of people in the United States wanted to balkanize, meaning they want their region to break away from the greater U.S. and form five distinct regional unions instead of one United States. The number is actually 37.2, which is about two points higher than I thought it was. See, what I did was I took the regions, I took the percentage of people in favor of secession, then I averaged it out. That doesn't work because the Pacific region is half the size population-wise of the Southern region. So when I accounted for population, uh, when I I, I calculated based on population, the actual number is 37.2% of Americans, according to this poll, want to secede from the Union. Or, I'm sorry, I should say break apart from the union and formed balkanized regions. I think we will be heading in that direction. Not because they made a man, a pregnant man emoji. That's going to be all over the world, I guess. It's each of these things as a grain of sand making a heap. There's a lot of people who are going to see this who are conservative who say, no way, I'm not all about that. There's a lot of leftists who are going to say it's absolutely fine. You will then start seeing a continued fracturing of culture where if you can't erase the culture outright, then it persists. And if there's no will for a fight or ability to conquer places with force, then you just get balkanization. The point being, Southern states tend to be more Republican, tend to be red. So there's some changes happening there, but still mostly red. And of the 107 million people estimated to live in the Southern region, according to this poll, it's about 44 million, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like 47 million because it's 44%. They want to secede. That's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are saying no to these things. Well, I should say 66% of Republicans are saying they want to secede. 66% of Republicans in the southern region. Let me show you a few other things. We've got this story. Drag classes for minors sells out in Scotland. Okay, well, we're not Scotland. All right. Still, what we're seeing with this stuff is international. There are similarities to what's happening in the UK because of the Internet. There are parent cultures that are forming. And I wonder... If ultimately what you see with wokeness in the UK, in Europe, across Europe and the United States and in several other countries, but mostly in the West, will this be the unifying culture that creates a massive North Atlantic union of some sort? I mean, we've got NATO, we've got, you know, we've got the, uh, the UN essentially, but the UN doesn't function as well as people would imagine it would. But could it be that in order to create a union between Europe and North America, you need wokeness? the prevailing culture that's spreading, and it needs to adhere to the lowest common denominator. I'm not so sure that's the case necessarily, just an idea. What I really think happening is that when you see like drag classes for minors, you are seeing extreme granularization of culture in that there is a very, very tiny minority of people who will find themselves uh, knowing someone or being a pregnant man. But we then add those emojis, the pregnant man emojis. So you can see that they're 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 trying to pander to every possible culture and subculture, and I I, I kind of get it. There's money to be made if you can sell something to somebody and you can hyper target. This has a lot to do with technology. Let me show you a couple more things, right? I don't know it's kind of all over the place, but the the bigger picture here is the granularization and the collapse. Families sue Universal Orlando uh, after actor made white power okay gesture posing with girls. He didn't. It's not true. It was someone playing Gru from Despicable Me. And he made the OK hand sign down, pointed down, which is the circle game where if you look at it, you get to punch him. Well, the family said it was racist. And here's more news. It's not just about this. It's about the news outlet themselves blurring the image. Look at this. They blurred the image. Let me, let me, let me see if I can show you the, uh, the there you go. They, they actually show the Anti-Defamation League's website and they blur the image when the news reporters were trying to tell people what this was, they said, the OK hand sign is offensive. My friends, it is all falling apart. Now, something may rise in its stead, but here's what I think Balkanization is extremely likely. And let's go back to the first story so I can. This is the best example. This is the best example. Balkanization is extremely likely, in my opinion because cultures won't simply cease to exist. Conservatives won't be like, I just will change my way of life overnight. No, they're going to move to areas where there's more like-minded people. So what are we seeing? We're seeing in, with California, people moving to Texas, people like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's fairly lefty, but he's not down with what's happening in California. You're seeing in a bunch of other, ah, stupid bug, you're seeing in a bunch of other places, people moving to places like West Virginia and Texas and Florida. So the people in the United States who don't agree with what the Democrats are doing, are moving to red states. And the people in red states are moving to blue states. In West Virginia, we we read a story about a teacher complaining about what was happening in West Virginia and saying, I need to move to a blue area because people here are crazy. You see, the Balkanization is happening. Now take a look at the national level. The NFL announced that they're going to play the Black National Anthem before the Star Spangled Banner. It's almost as if it's an international game. You know, you'll have uh, Russia versus Spain and they'll play both anthems or something like that. Not in America. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be pissed off about this. I wonder if they'll want to watch. The song is called Lift Every Voice and Sing. I uh, Every? I guess it's not every. So they put an apostrophe. I, I, you know what I've never been a fan of? Like in, in Stargate, they do this. They just use apostrophes to like make words. Just say it. it's every. Lift every voice and sing. Oh, sure, whatever. It's known as the Black National Anthem at the start of each game during week one. The anthem will be performed before the Star-Spangled Banner. A source confirmed the controversial change to ESPN on Thursday. Who wants that? Who wants that? Who who watches football sit there saying, I demand the Black National Anthem? Nobody. Nobody is. Ideologue cult members have infiltrated institutions, and they are implementing things that are, are suppressing and pushing against American culture in Evanston, Illinois, they shut down the 4th of July parade and they had a pride and Juneteenth parade or event or whatever. There you go. Over a long enough period of time, the things you enjoy, the people, you know, will cease to exist. But this is happening too rapidly. You can't just have two national anthems and based on race, no less. There are a lot of people who are going to say, no, Now, you can make these changes generationally, but this is much too fast. And maybe it's because of the internet. Maybe nobody has control. It's not intentional. It's just happening this way. Well, I believe the end result is going to be people are going to say, I will no longer watch the NFL. If you are someone who believes in the United States, its mission, freedom, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, you should be appalled by this. I'll tell you my fear. I'm not uh, uh, as much as the SPLC would like to say I'm a reactionary opposing the revolution. I'm actually fairly revolutionary, but um, more reformist, actually. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of problems in this country. The Ron Paul revolution, they called it. I would have loved to have seen Ron Paul as the president. I'd love to see the, the, the Federal Reserve be abolished. I'd love to see a dramatic change to the foreign policy of the United States and an end to these, this, this interventionalism that we do where we go in regime change wars and nation building, sending democracy overseas. I don't care for any of that. Hey, but that would be revolutionary. So I don't think we do it by throwing bricks. I think we do it through peaceful, pace, uh, peaceful, persuasive and resourceful means. So I want to see some very serious changes in this country. Changes for the better. The problem? I'm not a cultist. I'm not one of these lunatics, and you probably aren't either. I don't care for their weird racial animosity. I'd love to have a a country with no federal reserve and no foreign interventionalism and uh, uh, probably lower taxes to a certain degree because I don't want that money spent on war. But I'm actually fine with taxes. It's just the problem is there's no accountability for how the system works and, and where that money goes. But you know what? You get rid of the Federal Reserve and things are very, very different. But I'd love to have that country where I can have my, my, my friends of every different race and sexuality and identity, and they can smoke weed and trade in Bitcoin. Very, very libertarian future. But I, w- I don't, uh, this is why I call myself fairly like moderate, centrist, libertarian type. You know, I used to say liberal, but I think the problem with the, the word is that it's tainted. No, I want, I, I do believe there needs to be some functioning government, a very weak federal government and state sovereignty. But I'll tell you this, because I'm not a cultist, because you aren't, they'll call you far right, which is the weirdest thing ever. They call Glenn Greenwald alt-right. What does that even mean? Well, now Cenk Uger of the Young Turks is calling him alt-left. What happens when I say I'm actually in favor of paid parental leave and universal health care, like basic level supplemented by private insurance? They still say far right. Why? Because we will not bend the knee to their racial identitarianism. So in the end, what do I see? Donald Trump, man, Donald Trump did a whole lot, and he had a lot of votes. He won fairly narrowly in 2016. It was, it was like 77,000 votes. He lost, I believe, in uh, 2020 by, I think, around 41,000 votes. So what that means is in the key states that you know, Trump needed, he needed 41,000 or so- something like that. Now, of course, at the popular level, it was like 9 million. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It was like 6 or 7 million. But the popular vote isn't how the, the president is chosen. What I see now is you've got the Mises Caucus, the Libertarian Party. That's actually promising. Joe Jorgensen, sorry, seems like a nice person. Never going to go anywhere near that in uh, uh, my—that's not for me, especially when she got on board with the cult and tweeted that it's not enough to to not be racist. We must be actively anti-racist. I'm like, get that cult stuff away from me, dude. What are we seeing? I could have used any one of these stories as a headline, but I look at these stories, we've got the NFL lift every voice and sing. We've got the pregnant man emojis. We've got drag classes for minors, families suing over the OK hand gesture. And I just see all these stories at once. And I'm like, bro, it's Friday. This is so much. And it really all just is a sign of, of one thing. Who, let, let, so let me, let me ask, who on the left agrees with all of this? I mean, I guess there are some people, but I don't think so. Often the left and, and the right will complain That each side is lumping them all in together. And it's like, that's happening. Tim Pool must be far right. It's like, no, I'm just not in your dumb cult. And I believe in freedom, individual responsibility. Because of that, I'm in the greater opposing faction, the culture war right. Even though economically and culturally, I lean left. Then you have the culture war left, which is really far left. And they're a bunch of people who believe a bunch of random things as well. There's, there's a great amount of overlap, but therein lies the big issue. I know people who are Democrats, and when I mention the drag classic, I don't support that. I'll be like, well, all of your uh, thought leaders do, and therein lies the big issue. On the left, there's overwhelming support for all of this stuff. On the right, there isn't. That's why I think the right is, is not going to win this, but it, I, it seems like balkanization is the most likely result. What do we hear most from people when they talk about all the problems? Peaceful divorce. They're saying we need a peaceful divorce to avoid a civil war. What's a peaceful divorce? There's no north and south. Left and right is not defined by where you live necessarily. In the Pacific region, it's like 47% of Democrats want to secede from the union. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. That's a pretty substantial number, 39% overall between independents, Republicans, and uh, Democrats. There are people who just want to break apart. So when I look at the idea of peaceful divorce, when I see the federal government's desperate and, 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 and waning in power, and when I see the NFL completely unable to have any kind of social cohesion, well, I realize something. The issue isn't that at the NFL, they're trying to inject a new culture to erase the existing American culture, our culture. It's that they don't know how to make money anymore because half of the demographic is left. To put it simply, 20, 30 years ago, there was a handful of TV channels. You, whatever, you put something on the TV and people will watch it. Now, you couldn't capture, you, you, you could capture, you know, 40 million people on a TV show or, or 20 million on a TV show because most people would just turn it on. It was all they had to watch. Now that everything has become much more granular and people can choose specifically what to read or watch— now, they're trying desperately to figure out how to create a lowest common denominator that will attract everyone and instead attracts no one. And then, to put it mildly, it's not that people are, are, are saying they want balkanization or the U.S. to collapse. It's just that it is actually happening because there's a big cultural split. To put it uh, much more simply, go to simcast.com and become a member. We have a new website I believe should be up Monday. That's our, that's our target. But, you know, things could change because of bugs and bug reports and things like that. But um, there's going to be a lot of work happening on the site over the weekend where we should be launched on Monday. And I'll tell you, the news articles that we have up at TimCast.com are very culture war-y. They talk about very specific things you probably see on these channels. However, we're going to be doing a bunch of other shows. And I was talking with the team and I was talking with the devs about our paranormal mystery podcast, our Cast Castle vlog, Chicken City. And something that came up was that's going to be a very weird front page. People are going to go there and they're going to see an article about Biden, an article about Bigfoot, an article about the chickens. And, and, you know, as we expand in sports, your front page is going to be very, very strange. So you're going to need an editorial decision about what, what you're representing and what people get when they come to your site. So again, to simplify what that means, people go to Vox.com specifically to get this uppity, well, well, you know, well-to-do New York progressive perspective. They go to the Gateway Pundit to get the populist right-wing anti-establishment narrative. You don't go to one place to get all of those things. So that means the people who only watch my channel have a worldview that is extremely granular, extremely specific. The people who watch my channel and some other channels have a more mixed worldview. But in the end, everybody is, is huddling around one or two people they trust or outlets they trust, in which case, their worldview is becoming very different from everyone else's. In the long run, there won't be one truth in this country. Right now, we have two overarching truths, essentially, between the different culture war factions. But with Lift Every Voice and Sing and the American, and, 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 and the American National Anthem, those are the parent anthems. What happens then when other people say, what about our anthem? What about you know the, the Chinese people who are, who are forced to build the railroads? What about their anthem? What are we going to do? Is a football game in America going to be the Olympics, where we have to play every, show every flag and every anthem? But that's where we're going because the, what the NFL is trying to do, they realized with this granularization, they're losing audience. So this, this, this is the point: if I only do culture war stuff for TimCast.com, we will attract the culture war audience. But what if we want to be something bigger than that? We want to build culture in general. Then we start making other bits of culture. Well, now you might actually lose a portion of each side and gain a portion of each side, there's no guarantee that you'll actually gain more audience because you're diluting the content. The culture where people will come to the site and say, I don't want to read about this paranormal stuff, which we've already had comments saying that. People are like, this article is dumb. I don't want to read about Quantico covering up, you know, murders or whatever. I want to read about Joe Biden. I want pictures of Spider-Man. Well, what happens when we, when we only have one in 10 articles? It's the pictures of Spider-Man. JJ is going to get mad and not want to read anymore. So I'll put it this way. Take a look at the Hydraulic Press YouTube channel. What do they do? They put objects in a hydraulic press. That's it, for the most part. And people love watching it. But when they start mixing things in, then people watch less and less and less. I'll give you another example. There's a big problem with news YouTube channels 10 years ago and still to this day. The issue is that if somebody has a channel where they're like, I do backflips, they turn on the YouTube channel, the guy does a backflip. The next day, a video comes up, the guy does a backflip. People who love backflips will watch every single one of those videos, like, this is awesome, this is awesome. Then one day, he uploads a front flip, and they go, front flip? I don't care about front flip, and they ignore it. The signal is sent to YouTube, this viewer no longer watches every video. The algorithm not really understanding why they chose not to watch that specific thing. So when you have a YouTube channel, a news outlet, a website, or a culture, that can attract people based on one specific idea, they'll come to it. If you dilute it with something else, you'll lose it. So when you look at news YouTube channels, what would happen? They would say, Donald Trump does backflip. Everybody clicks it because they want to hear about Donald Trump and backflip. Then the next article is Hillary Clinton does frontflip. And those same people say, I don't like Hillary. I don't like frontflip. And they ignore it. The channel, the news website, is hoping that they'll attract the other side. In the end, you end up losing both. So what does that mean? What am I trying to say? Once you get all of this psychosis in media with the, with the rainbow butt monkey, you know, I can't say the full thing, and you get the NFL playing two anthems, you're not going to make both sides happy. You're going to make both sides angry. And both sides are going to say, we don't want to watch. To be fair, though, the Black National Anthem BLM people don't watch football to begin with, so they're basically just nuking themselves. But they were scared. <clears throat> they were losing money. So there you go. Anyway. Long story short, weird stuff happening. I think it's kind of falling apart. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at
1: youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.